If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals achievements. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, alongside TJ Rosane, broadcasting here in Atlanta, Georgia. Today, TJ, we're going to be talking about what do we look for and what are the things we keep an eye out on when we're watching NBA games. This was a question submitted on Twitter uh, from a listener, and I think it's an interesting question, right? You know, if you're a basketball fan, you watch a tremendous amount of basketball, and, you know, if you're watching the NBA ranks, you may sometimes just watch it from an entertainment standpoint, but are there things that we can learn? You know, what are the things that you're looking for? You know, I'll start this off. You know, for me, I, there's a lot of things that I kind of um, uh, spend intentional focus on. Um, there's oftentimes I'm watching just simply as a fan. But I know for me, a couple of things that I, I really pay attention to, I'm, I'm always looking. This just has been a personal thing. I always want to see how the rest of the supporting cast responds, reacts, and interacts with their star. I'm so intrigued by that. You hear so often about, you know, a lot of times the supporting cast, they don't necessarily like the star player on the team. I'm just, I'm fascinated to see that dynamic. So I'm always watching that. And I always watch and see, like, you know, when when the star player is maybe, you know, going one-on-one, you know, and, and puts up a shot, like the body language of those around him to see if they, like, have a frustrated vibe you know like or or when that player you know makes a big shot if there's this genuine enthusiasm for that player just because i feel like the way the supporting cast responds and reacts with the star will open the window up to so many bigger issues from a chemistry standpoint like that's got to be strong right that interaction between those i always look at that i'm always looking at some of the intangible stuff in basketball like the energy i'm looking at the high fives. I'm always intrigued which teammate's going to go over and like just kind of be the most supportive teammate, you know, maybe as they're walking back to the bench during a timeout. You know, which one of those guys, you know, are, are, are kind of building everyone up. I'm, I'm intrigued on little things like that. Um, small side note, I always look at how players respond to the coach on the bench. It's, been, it's always been a little thing of mine, you know. Like, if, are they even looking you know, are they like watching what's going on in you know during the show? You know, during the timeout show, are they actually watching? Are they engaged? Are they seated three seats away? Or are they actually seated in the mix of it? I'm always looking at that dynamic. For me, TJ, just from a leadership perspective, I spend more time usually from watching these games, some of the other intangible stuff as it is X's and O's. But there's some fascinating kind of takeaways when you're watching it that can kind of give you clues into the DNA of the team. Yeah, you know it's it's funny you ask because I did this the other day. I I watched an NBA game without any volume, just watched it. That's it's a it's a different way because honestly, when as a as a coach, you're used to scouting a why? lot. Of film. Why'd you do that? <laughs> because here's why I did it. Purposely? Because, yeah, purposely. Okay. Here's I mean I, I get used to watching so many games to break down film for my team and other teams, and usually there's no volume to it. You're just watching the game, breaking down the film, and um, but there's so many 
add-ons and extra things that go on in NBA games and whatever. And I was like, I wonder what it's like to just kind of break it down like I actually would a game film, you know. So I did that the other day, and I've done it before on on Synergy and watched some uh, different games. But it's it's really it really is interesting, you know, to to watch the game and how it plays out, and um, to you could almost get a vibe for a player and for a team by watching it. And, I, and most of the time, I bet you could probably turn the volume off and watch just different clips throughout the game, you know, good, bad, and indifferent, and kind of have an idea of who who who's a a better team, you know, just like not just maybe who won that game, but who's the actual better team uh, just by body language. We've shared that at PGC. We share that all the time. And we have pictures in our intangibles video of, you know, Popovich talking to the team. And even the guys that are injured and out behind the bench are locked in listening to him. And we have other benches where guys, coaches talking to the team and everyone's looking at something completely different. And, you know, there's a way champions do things and there's a way other people do things. And, you know, then same thing. We, we, we've got uh, body language. I mean, you, you've read that before. We shared it when the Celtics and Lakers played back in early 2000s for the championship. They were the two touchiest teams in the NBA. When the, um, when the uh, Mavs came back and beat the Heat down, there's a good Washington Post article um, that when the Mavs came back and, and beat uh, them, it, it was after um, after it was after three games. Uh, well, the, uh, that high fives and touches they out touched them by like 500 or 700 or a thousand touches over the course of the series. Well, people say, well, that's because they won. Well, they were actually up like 200 touches over the first three games and they were down one two they were the more the team with more love for each other you know what i mean and there's tons of stats like that that you can watch and there's also yeah, i think there was like a wall street journal it was like the the their dallas secret weapon yeah was their high yeah. fives yeah but there's there's things like that and then 82games.com tracked all these different things about the the touchiest teams and what it means so it, it obviously matters but there's a lot of different things that i i, I particularly like watching the stars and how they carry themselves you know, towards other people. I think, like a guy like Harden, for instance, I think he's starting to mature a little bit in there, but I still don't believe he's all the way there as the type of leader. Um, that With his 39 dribble possession the other day. Yeah. And so if you saw that. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> there, And then there's also tangible basketball things I like to watch as well. But yeah. So, like, what are you looking at from a basketball perspective? Like, what are some of the tangible basketball stuff that you're. The style of play, the offensive sets, how, many, how much one-on-one is going on. What are you looking at? Well, I think that uh, I look at it from a couple different things. One perspective I look at it is young players love to learn from NBA players, right? So I always look at things. Are there actually tangible things I could take from this guy that I could use in as an example that my players could relate to? Because there's a lot of things you can't use. And uh, first and foremost, it goes, there's a whole bunch of different things. First of all, the rules in the NBA are different, right? The spacing's different. The lane, the, even the three-point line is, is wider. Um, there's a different shot clock. There's different defenses you can't play. There's so many just different things, right? So there's a lot of things that you watch, that people watch. Uh, for instance, like I, I've watched a lot of like late um, halftime sets uh, late game sets that come from half court, you know, and people love all those end of game sets. Well, the reality of it is very few college games end at a side out of bounds possession, you know. And then the second piece of that is, is the NBA spent so much time in that late game that they guard, they guard themselves very different too. You know, we might see a zone, we might see a one, three, one, we might be on the ball, off the ball. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that go into it. So it's not quite as relevant as people think sometimes, but there are nuggets you can definitely steal um, 
you know, from different actions they run. But I, I like looking at what, you know, players I can use as examples um, to teach other players. I also um, I also really like working through um, just the uh, say the strategic, the mindset, like the, the ebbs and flows of the game, when coaches call timeouts, mm-hmm. why they don't call timeouts, what, you know, um, uh, what do they come out of at a timeout, like why did they counter? Not necessarily what set did they run, but I like to rewind it and say, why did he come with that backdoor set? What were they doing defensively? I like seeing things like that. I, I, lo- I love seeing the feel of a coach when he lets his team play through a momentum. Yeah. You know, versus calling the timeout. You know, like letting him, letting them kind of figure that out. I love that little art and that strategy there. That there's so many different dynamics. Let's take a quick halftime talk with our friends over at Team Snap, and we'll jump in and kind of finish this up. But a lot of different things uh, to keep an eye out. Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap for today's communication halftime tip. Coaches, I'd like to challenge you this week. Spend time working on how you communicate to yourself. I think it's interesting. We spend probably twice as much time working on our communication towards others, yet we communicate to ourselves twice as much as we do to others. So therefore, it only makes sense that we spend time working on how we communicate to ourselves. So this week, I'd like to challenge you to go through an exercise and do a can't count. Count how many times throughout the course of the week you say you can't. You can't do this or you can't do that. You know, that's a self-limiting belief that we speak to ourselves that will restrict our ability to grow simply by us communicating a self-limiting belief out of the gate. This week, work and be intentional to communicate uplifting and encouraging and empowering things to yourself and do a can't count and see how many times you limit yourself. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about a communication app that is being used by over 15 million people across the globe, helping get everyone on the same page from coaches, parents, and players. TJ, things you're keeping an eye out and looking for in the NBA game when you're watching just at home, you know, what can coaches look for? We talked about a handful of different things. Here's, let me give you three additional things that I really enjoyed looking for. Uh, I'm always looking for the dynamic of coaches resting their stars. Mm-hmm. You know, how long are they going to let them sit? You know, I always want to see, all right, when in the fourth quarter do they bring them back in? Do they bring them back in with six minutes? Is it a little bit more? When do they go back to that? Um, I'm always looking at that dynamic. It's a huge dynamic, obviously. The imposing of the wills is one that always gets my attention, all right? Are you going to cater to their small ball or make them react to your slowing down, playing big? Like, who, who's going to impose their will and who's going to break first? That's the one that always intrigues me. Being a Wizards fan, we tend to play big, right, at times. At least that's our starting five. We've got Gortat, you know, at the five, and he's a traditional big, right? But, you know, you come across these small small ball lineups, and I'm always looking to see, okay, is Scott Brooks going to, you know, how long will he hold on to the traditional five, the bigger lineup that we have on the court? Or, you know, are we going to make them adapt to us? Or are we going to adapt to them? Who's going to do it first? Right? Are we going to go to small ball to try to cater to them? I'm always looking at that imposing of the wells. I'm pretty fascinated on that. And then the spacing and ball movement. Mm-hmm. Some of the teams that are just so good at the ball movement. You know, when there's, you know, six, seven, eight passes on a, any type of possession, you know, and it's being swung around the outside three point line. Like I love seeing, I love seeing defenses literally one step behind. 
right? Where they just yeah. can't get to the guy quick enough. And they're just chasing, right? And they're closed now. Oh, already gone. Close. Oh, already gone. Oh, close. Oh, wide open shot. Right? I love seeing defenses being put on their heels in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do, too. I mean, the, the NBA is the best at making you pay for different situations, <laughs> yeah. right? They, they do a really good job of spacing the floor and moving the floor. I probably like looking at it for a few different reasons. I mean, there's, there's a couple things that, like, again, like – uh, the way that defense can be played in college or at high school or any other level, um, the NBA does force closeouts and they do force you to play two on two and one on one situations. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sometimes less. Uh, I, I actually am interested in how the advantage was created to start with. Uh, but then they get there. Those NBA players are so good at making the right read, right? So I mean, you boil every play down to they're trying to gain an advantage, and that's why they run a lot of ball screens. So this guy gets to this place, then the defense is going to make a read. They're going to help with the. They're going to switch. They're going to help with the offside guy. They're going to help with the strong side guy. They're going to do, and then but NBA players make the the next read so well, and so then it really comes down to unselfishness. A lot of times, and I love watching teams be really unselfish because I, I don't think they struggle to get an advantage. Honestly, I don't really think they struggle to make the right decision. I think it just becomes to preparedness and unselfishness of, of making the right play every time. Are you fascinated with the bigs and their versatility? Yeah, I think like their ability I, to pass and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that uh, I'm I'm more tr- intrigued with how the game continues to evolve, like if um, and it will continue to evolve, and it, it probably will come back around again. To be honest with you, I think that um, I, it, the game is definitely getting bigger, faster, stronger at every sport and, and professionals. Right? I mean, everybody's getting to that place, but now it's not just good good enough to be big, fast, and strong. Now you got to be big, fast, and skilled. You know, and they're trying to get to that place where big, fast, and strong got you a starting spot. And now sometimes it's uh, you can be big, slow and smart and get a, a starting spot you know so there's a lot of different dynamics that can get you on the court in the league you know speaking of that i was reminded yesterday i believe and it was such a powerful reminder lebron james and carl malone are the same size yeah. think about that lebron james and carl malone are the same size you know we grew up watching carl malone right right and big and just a force and to think that today's player is a Carl Malone but with three four five additional skill sets than what Carl had yeah with the versatility to bring the ball down to pass to to run an offense to shoot the three you know it's it's unbelievable what today's players can do with their evolution just how they are what you just said bigger stronger faster and more skilled yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how it how it evolves I mean like I'm interested to see the guy with the Bucks. What's his name? Giannis. I'm interested to see his career play out. You know, like because there's there's a lot of different guys in different ways where you know they might have good careers, they might be a mismatch, but can they can they actually lead them to the promised land? That's going to be an interesting thing because then that player player type can go extinct if it doesn't. You know, like if if, if Shaq doesn't win. It goes extinct. If so and so doesn't win, if it, this guy doesn't win, it goes extinct. If the bigger point guard doesn't win, then it goes. You know, it's it's interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, it's just like football, right? You know, like the running quarterback. Yeah. You know, like we they thought that was going to be a trend, right? But it just didn't win. Yeah. Like it, it didn't show the winning, and where did, it all goes back to what it was, right? Yep. No, but they're back po- to the I formation, pick, pocket yep. quarterback. You know, same deal. You know, like is the Ben Simmons at six eleven running point? You know, is he going to lead teams, right? 
the Greek Freak is Porzingis being this crazy, flexible, versatile big man that can shoot. You know, is that going to be the secret to success, or is it just simply going to be what it always has? Right? You know, shooting the three. You know, spacing the court, having a traditional point guard. You and know, then that- you bring analytics into it now, and you know, there's there's things that always change people's uh, you know opinions. But uh, I think. One of the fun things to do about watching the game is just the games within the games, you know what I mean? But it, it, I'll be honest with you. you know, I know you like NBA a lot better than I do, but that 48 minutes like, is a tough for me just because I, I feel like you don't get the same consistent effort for 48 minutes. Well, I, I mean, playoff time you do, yeah. right? So, yeah. so I'll, I'll give you credit there. In the playoff time, regular season maybe not, but, but if you love games within the games, then yeah. there's no greater game within the game than in a seven-game series. In the playoff, yeah, I do. I, I enjoy it. And even even just the playoffs in general, even if it's not a seven-game series, there is a lot more. I feel like they, they pace themselves to get to that place, and then it becomes every chess move matters. Yeah, and, and that's where we're approaching now. So, listen, let us know what do you look for when you're watching the game. What are the little coaching strategies or things you keep an eye on or just things that intrigue you in general? We'd love to know. Send us a tweet at hardwood underscore hustle. I'm your host, Adam, alongside TJ Rosine. We are the Hardwood Hustle. Till next time, we're out.